Hey up, and welcome to the Temple of Blair, episode O. Uh, this is another entry into the History of Roadrunner record series we've got going on, and this is an interview with the singer of thrash metal legends Heathen, uh, David White. Now, Heathen had one record out on Roadrunner Records, uh, that is Victims of Deception, released April 12th, 1991. In talking to David, I've actually completed the Rob Beaton trilogy of Roadrunner albums, uh, as I spoke to Carl Thomas from Exorder, Mike Kaufman from Defiance, and Rob Beaton himself. So, that's all of Rob's albums, all the ones he produced in the early 90s. Done. Nailed it. Smash it, lads. Hey, man, if you want to stick around to the end of this one, uh, David absolutely smashed it out of the park with the ghost story answer. God damn. If, especially if you're looking on the video version of this uh, this interview you get to see some pretty compelling and interesting shit. So I'm really sorry, Kyle, um, but David has won the ghost story element of this podcast so far. Get cracking and listen to the new heathen record, Empire of the Blind. It kicks absolute ass, and it was really challenging to start researching on uh, Victims of Deception when this album exists. I kept coming back to it, and I keep going on about it in the podcast. So uh, please, without further ado, uh, David White from Heathen. One, two, fuck shit up. This, so thanks for giving me your time, man. I'll, I'll just give you an introduction on this project because it is a little bit, it's a little bit of a left field ask. Um, asking people okay. to cast their minds back 30 years and talk about the business arrangements of their employers. You know, it, it's a bit weird. But it's, it's very much the history of Roadrunner Records, which I'm trying to pull together from effectively eyewitness accounts it depends on the perspective. You could be a victim or you could be a, a beneficiary to Roadrunner Records. Um, it's not, it, you know, it's, it, it's, as a label, it's interesting because there's so many things it did as, a, as an independent. There's so, many, there's so many movements it heralded. And in, in your case, it was, you were smack bang in the middle of the thrash chapter. Um, but I'm trying to find out, was it an accident? What were they thinking at the time? What's and therefore, what can we learn from that these days? What's the value of a label? So that's kind of like the line of questioning I'm going to go down. Um, okay. but obviously, if you if you can't remember stuff or whatever, that's fine as well. But to be honest, mate, I had a, I had a massive problem researching this because I was listening to Victims of Deception, but I kept coming back to the new album. So I want to I want to talk about the new album first because I think it, it's just so fucking good. <laughs> right on. Thank you. Thank you. So. Let's let's start there then. So Empire of the Blind, it's was it a lockdown album? Was it all done in the last sort of like year, eighteen months? What was the production cycle? Um, well the, the writing process was I mean, Craigan wrote the entire record. Um we started writing uh you know, all together, like Lee had some stuff and Craigan had some stuff, I had some stuff. But um with touring schedule schedules, uh you know, Craigian filled in for Gary Holt with yeah. Exodus. Mm -hmm. So, and of course, Lee's in Exodus as well. So it, it basically, those guys were on the road for, a, you know, a lot of years and a lot of time. And we all live in different areas. And me and Lee are close by, you know, with, mm -hmm. when I was still in the Bay Area, but he was gone on the road all the time. Yeah. So it was really hard to, to really write the record as a group. And, um, all that time. And then we actually, Darren Mentor had left the band uh, before the last tour that we did. Yeah. Um, so we didn't really have a drummer. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Jason uh, Vibrooks 
he's from he's from Ohio, mm-hmm. and he was back home, and then he started doing a project with Exhorter, and then he got busy, and they did a record, and then he was touring, um, and then we had you know we had the situation where it's like okay, we need to get pull this thing together, and um, that's where Jason Mirza came in because he and he's a friend of mine from way back, yeah. and then he played in the band with Cragen, so. We brought him in the fold, and then we were looking for a drummer. In the meantime, Cragen was riding like crazy. And uh, he just basically got, you know, got on a, a roll to where he finished enough songs for a record. Cool. And, uh, and Lee hadn't really had the time or didn't make the time because he's got two kids at home. So when he's home, he was spending time with them. Mm. Uh, so we just kind of, you know, sort of let Cragen take the ball. Um, and then once he finished up stuff and we were, uh, and, and Gary was done with Slayer, um, that freed Cragen up and, uh, and also Exodus took a break. So, uh, it freed up Lee. So we went into motion and, uh, Lee or Cragen started sending out his demos of all the stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, he sang on the demos and everything, uh, to, you know, to have that roadmap as far as how he wanted the melodies and. And, you know, <clears throat> so we had some kind of base. And um, and so I just took that and started working on it on my own. Mm. And Lee was working on it, you know, and then we got Jason. And then we found, then we, we agreed to to bring Jim uh, Maria into the fold. Yeah. We, had, we had thought of a couple different drummers. But ultimately, Jim was a friend of ours and we wanted, he really wanted to do it. And we wanted it to be somebody that we, were, we knew we'd get along with on the road. Yeah. Um, so he had, and so it was like the learning curve for everybody to learn the material mm-hmm. was, I mean, intense, really. It was just a, maybe about a, about a six month time period, if that. Oh. Um, <clears throat> and then we got, I think we started recording drums in September mm-hmm. in Connecticut right? And, with Zeus. And, uh, and then it was like, we had two, I had two windows uh, the last week of October in the last week of November to go to Massachusetts and record. Get all done on just those two sessions. Crazy. Yeah. And so I just had to be prepared, you know, as much as possible. And luckily I was doing a couple other projects at home. One with a band called Anvil Chorus. Um, mm-hmm. Their singer had passed away and we did a memorial show for them. And I, I sang the material. And then I also did a show with Terry Lauderdale, Terry Lauderdale band. Um, where it was just covers. We did Aussie stuff, uh, oh, cool. Van Halen and UFO. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of helped me to, you know, cause I was doing all this stuff. Just, it was good for my chops, you know, just to get, get moving, get busy singing all kinds of different stuff. Yeah. And so, um, and then leading up to, I had two weeks after that last show that I did, um, for the first session. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I, and then I got sick in the in one of the first week that I was just you know concentrating on the new material, yeah, um, I, I came down with a bug and lost my voice, and so I had to power through. I kept mm. training uh, on the Peloton, all the stuff, but w- was just listening, yeah, to the songs yeah. just to get really comfortable. And then voice started coming back, and then I had to you know couldn't change the flight, couldn't change the session, mm. so. Uh, Jason actually shared the time with me in that week of October. Right. And he was the morning guy. 
he would get up in the morning, get Zeus up, and they would actually start around noon. Mm-hmm. And uh, they would track till about seven. We'd go have dinner or something and then come back. And then I would track for a few hours in the evening, you know. And, um, and each day my voice got stronger. Um, sure. But it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, my best at that point, you know. So I, I basically attacked all the stuff that was, you know, easier to deal with, you know, as far as the, the different songs. And then when I went back in November, Lee, Lee came along mm-hmm. and he did his solos at that time. And I was the early guy <laughs> and Lee was the late guy. But when I came back, I had a, I had a month in between time to, to get it together. And, um, and so when my, when I went back, my voice was in, in, in really, you know, fine shape and I felt great. So I was able to just crush everything in that last week. And it came down to the final of that Friday. I was flying home Saturday morning and Friday, uh, Lee went home early Friday morning. So I had the entire day, uh, to fix anything, uh, you know, for the songs and then do all the, the harmonies and overdubs type stuff. When you, know, you were at your peak. We, uh, we had, what's that? When you were at your peak, you could spot at, the thirds and yeah. I was, yeah. Oh yeah. And I, but I sang the, from, we started 11th at 1130 that day and we went till two in the morning and we only stopped, we stopped twice for, for food. Like we mm. stopped for lunch, we stopped for dinner and then we just got back to it. And I did not want to stop until we absolutely finished everything. Cause I didn't want to have to fly back. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so, but you know, Zeus is doing his thing and Cragen, Cragen had his, his laptop with his spreadsheet, you know, it was the most organized recording session that I've ever been a part of for sure. I was going to ask actually, so with all, I won't call them delays because it, even though there were delays, but with Exodus and things like that and, 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 uh, and Lee and Craig and doing their thing, how was Nuclear Blast taking all of this? Were they just set there like, come on lads, get your act together? Well, no, because I, I think they were very patient because they understood what was happening. You yeah. know, luckily we're label mates, you know, yeah, Exodus exactly. on Nuclear Blast. So they knew, they knew what, you know, why this, this was happening. And also we were um, giving them a little taste of what was going to be. So once they heard that, they knew that it was going to be a strong record. And so they just knew when the time was right, what happened. Believe me, I was so nervous. I would call Lee, I'd call Craig and go, when are we going to fucking do this? Because how, how can they be so patient? You know, (laughs) like this is, this is, you know, unheard of. And, um, but they, they were okay with it. They just, you know, they were happy to have us and, you know, so, yeah, you know, rock and roll. I feel I mean, very fortunate, you know. but it was, it was definitely nerve wracking to, to, to sit there and go, okay, we got this record deal on the table. Yeah. yeah. It's our best, you know, it's our best situation that we've ever been on, you know, in with all the different labels that we've been on, uh, the strongest label um and the most dedicated to to heavy metal Mm. and to us you know it's like i didn't want to blow that opportunity you know yeah man um so with the with the production cycle if i'm not mistaken from beginning to end it actually it goes over two election cycles so (laughs) this is this is what i'm thinking It, it it could be that uh, that empire of the blind is like the last great trump metal fuck off because trump's been great for metal 
I don't want to get too political, but I think it's been interesting to see all the stuff that's happened in the last four years. But with Empire of the Blind, it's lyrical content and things like that's quite subtle. It's not too in your face. And the aesthetics are really, really... Um, uh, they're open to interpretation. Was there a political undertone to some of this stuff? Uh, does does well, it? I don't uh, know. Say gone. Go ahead. Well, yeah. I don't. I don't know if it, I don't know. You know, really, if it was political mm. so much. I think that the record before it, the evolution of chaos, where I was coming from, uh, was definitely political, and mm. in the sense, like with dying season, um, it, it's globally political because the song the idea behind it was just how archaic war is like, yeah. you know, the fact that we're still shooting at each other, you know, all over the, you know, not just our country, but you know what I mean? It's like, we've come so far and yet we're still willing to put kids on the front lines and shoot at each other for, mm. for the country or for whatever. And it's like, why can't we, you know, there's not a way we can settle this without having to, destroy things and destroy people and yeah, destroy yeah. lives it's you know and then with control by chaos that one i that was sort of a you know a strange thing for me because where it came from actually came to fruition you mm -hmm. know because we just lived four years of chaos and and how <laughs> how you know the, our country and even the world just so divided yeah, yeah. and that song if you read the lyrics in Control by Chaos, it's all about it, you know? And so, uh, but those two are the, like, I think the main ones as far as any kind of political mm -hmm. foray or whatever. With this one, I think like, you know, Empire of the Blind has a lot to do with just the state of things, but also has to do with with social media and the media in general and how, mm -hmm. um, how, people are so easily controlled by that. And they, you know, it's like, you, you know, this misinformation and, you know, nobody knows what's, what is what anymore, yeah. you know? And um, I think that's where Cragen was coming from with that one and, and what it could, what it can mean as far as the decline of civilization, mm. you know, if we keep going down that road. Totally, man. I mean, and then a, and then a pandemic hits. <laughs> yeah. It's I like, mean, holy shit. I think, you know, how metal is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's um, Mother Earth writing a concept album about humans, not the other way around. It's it's um, right. the I knew there was a risk that I was overthinking it because of recent events, but it also plays into how um, why the album's so fucking beautiful because it is really subtle and it's really open to interpretation. It has like a, a much widespread appeal because it, it, even with the cover, the cover itself, it's so like through line a big metal kind of high concept um image but with like the color grading and things like that it's not so much in your face and you have to look at it for a second before you go oh fucking hell that's amazing and i, I think the same with the lyrical content i think the same with the the, fit, uh, the phrasing and the structure of all these songs it's just like i feel like i couldn't this is why it was a problem i was trying to listen to victims of Zen, but i kept going straight back to <laughs> the fucking empire of the blind. Right, yeah. it was a problem uh, but no, I just wanted to celebrate it because it really does kick ass. And I think it's it's um, it's going to be, once the European festival season kicks in, um, you're going to have to make some space in the pit and get everyone uh, fucking <laughs> up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that's like, 
it's so difficult, you know, going through this right now because we were, we had everything lined up, mm. you know, the timing of the record, you know, it was supposed to come out in June, uh, June 19th actually. And June 19th was going to be our second European leg, you know, tour. Mm. And it was going to open up in, in grass pop in Belgium, oh, I love that which festival. is a big festival. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like that w- we would have already had five weeks in the books. Right. Mm. And we would have, we would have maybe played a couple new songs, but we would have played you know the older stuff and stuff off of the evolution um, and just basically warm up as a new group because with a new bass player, a new drummer, you know, it's, we need to, you know, become a cohesive unit now because mm. it's a new band really. Yeah. Um, and then so looking forward to that. And we had, we were booked all the way through September and all of it went to dust. And it's like, ah, <laughs> uh, you gotta be kidding me. It's like, you know, like Murphy's Law. It's like, well, you know, somebody broke a leg or somebody got in a car accident. Yeah. No, it's a global pandemic. You it's know, it's, it's God himself wanted to get involved. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, but I mean, you know, and it's it definitely it messed up us up. But I mean, it messed everybody up. And, yeah, and yeah. I just feel so bad for, for everyone. People that started new businesses. Mm-hmm. other bands i know bands that were actually out on the road sepultura was out on the road and they had to cut their their tour short yeah. and that's that's very financially you know catastrophic you know luckily we didn't you know we were at the point where we were just getting ready to yeah. uh pay deposits on the bus and, and different things like that and flights we didn't do it yet mm-hmm. and so we made the call like that's it we're out and luckily we did because it all, everything got canceled. So I saw Anvil in my hometown of Halifax in the UK. And um, the night of that gig, I think was the night the rest of the tour got canceled. So they were already there in the bus. They were already there with the the gear and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm a live sound guy as like a side gig. So I'm fortunate. I've still, I've not been totally impacted, but there's some of my, um, my peers in that job who had just gone, I cannot live it. I cannot sustain myself in this industry. I'm now going to go work in an office because there's no way. Once it get once we get right. over it and I'm back on the road, it's it, I can't take a hit like that again. No way. But yeah, it's been crazy, man. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. Like a lot of people in our industry didn't get we didn't they didn't get stimulus money, you know. No trickle down for us. Well, <laughs> it's uh, but hey, man, it, the album's totally worth the wait, and I'm I'm really glad. To, He's still at it. I'm really glad that Nuclear Blast is giving me the backing. Was Zeus your choice or was Zeus Nuclear Blast's choice? No, it was our choice. Right. We, he had been interested in working with us for a while. And basically, the you know, all the planets and stars aligned to make it happen. Yeah. You know? And like I said, I had those two weeks uh, and, the, and the different time that, that Jim went there and did drum tracks. Um, and Cragen actually tracked all his guitars at home. Mm-hmm. So that saved us some money. But, um, you know, Zeus was recording the Hatebreed record as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he squeezed us in and, uh, you know, I, Thanksgiving is like a big holiday for my family. And I, I, uh, when my mom passed away, I took it over and at my house and, uh, I have a big family. We had one year, we had 65 people at my house, (laughs) you know, for Thanksgiving. And, um, and so I was trying to make it a tradition and we did it. I think we did it for six years or something like that, six or seven years so far. And then last year I had to go, uh, you know, cause it was going to be Thanksgiving week. Yeah. And my wife's like, you can't fucking do that. You know, 
your family's going to be pissed. They're going to be upset. I'm like, they'll understand. Yeah. And, you know, and of course they did, but it, but it was, you know, it was a bummer, you know, I miss my family, but, um, and then now COVID with everything. And then we moved to Florida. So I'm going to, I'm going to miss out with all them again, but that's just the way life goes. You know, it's, yeah, man. you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. And I think Zeus, I- Zeus, I'm sorry. I was going to say that Zeus, uh, when I, you know, I had never met him before and Lee had met him a few times. And, um, when we were driving the car, he was like, dude, because I, I heard goblins blade on college radio when I was like 18 years old. <laughs> and he goes, I was a fan. I went out and bought your record because I, I have dreamed about doing a record with you guys for a long, long time. <laughs> you know? And so it's like, for me, it's like, that's, that's so cool because it's somebody that's really invested in wanting to, you know, make a great record with mm. us. And, uh, and right now he's, he's, we have a, uh, we recorded a live record in Greece back in like 2013 and he's in the process of mixing that now. Oh, okay. Okay. So we're going to have a live record very soon. Andy, um, he remastered Evolution of Chaos last year. So I guess he was doing his homework. Oh Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's funny, we wanted him to remix it, but the but mascot was like, no. <laughs> I don't know if it was because they were happy with the mix and their because their guy, Jacob was their guy, Jacob Jacob Hansen. Yeah. Um but uh I wish that we could have remixed it. It would have been <laughs> it would have been something else. Cause I mean that guy with with the new record, uh it's the best sounding record we've ever done, you know. It's balls to the wall, mate. So, my 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 scrotum is stapled onto the wall over there. It's really <laughs> fucking good. I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass, man. It actually disrupted the research for this interview. <laughs> That's how good it is. Oh, oh, well. So let's let's well, let's hop. Okay. Yeah, man. I mean, it's metal's metal, metal for, for the masses, man. Um, let's hop into the DeLorean and let's go back to 1983. All right. <laughs> wow. Okay. So. All right. Uh, where do we start? Let's start with Pray for Death. Pray for Death demo comes out, um, and you're getting the interest. Is it just combat that knocks on the door, or is there are there other interested parties? Uh, well, there was um, the main. The main. There was you know some smaller labels, but uh, the Combat and Road Racer. I think they were actually Roadrunner at the yeah, time. Yeah. Uh, they they were in the hat too, and it was cool because we put that demo out. You know, it was the the tape trading deal, mm-hmm. and um, they came to us. We had a you know uh, what was the magazine it was Kerrang I believe mm-hmm. um, did a, a, a review of the demo and gave okay. us like I mean gave us it was like the top demo at the time. Was that Don K? And so uh, it was well Don K I think did I don't know if Don K wrote that one I can't remember I'd have to look back. And I, and I apologize to it's Don okay. Kay, whoever wrote it. Um, but they, you know, Combat and Roadrunner had come to us. And at the time, we actually were going to sign with Roadrunner. Um, what was the... Had, uh... it, the deal was good. And then, and then at the last minute, Combat upped the offer right. and made it a better offer. And they get, they, we get, were able to keep our publishing on that record on breaking the silence, all of it. Yep. Um, so of course we made that choice. 
and combat was great to us. They were, they were awesome. We just had, at the time, I mean, things took off. Um, we had the video with MTV and everything on Headbangers Ball, Set Me Free. Um, and the record was, I mean, we got the CMJ charts. It was charting with uh, White Snake and Guns mm. N' Roses, even Pink Floyd, because they all came out in 87. Yeah. And um, it was pretty amazing. I mean, seeing those charts was like, oh, we're going to be rich. <laughs> we're going to make it, you know. Um, but we unfortunately hooked up with a, uh, a management or a guy that was, you know, a manager uh, mm -hmm. who used to manage Tesla. Mm -hmm. And we couldn't um, talk to the, the Tesla guys. Our, Darren, our drummer, knew that some of the guys in Tesla, because he is from Sacramento, mm -hmm. uh, to ask them what they thought of this person. Yeah. Because they were on the road with Def Leppard. And... Ugh. He took mm. us. He took us for a ride. He 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 stole from us. He slandered us when we yeah. when he when things were not you know when he didn't he didn't listen to us, you know from the booking agency to to the tour we had we had a tour with Motorhead which he was the booking agency that he referred us to instead of Andy Summers who had a great booking agency at that time and wanted to book us told us when you guys do a record I want to be your booking agent right and. This, this manager, um, which shall be nameless, um, directed us in another direction, and they they threw us the Motorhead tour. Uh, so of course we're like, oh, oh well, okay. Mm -hmm. And then, but then complications with tour support, we couldn't do the tour. And it was partly because of him. So that was like right then the things started to go downhill and. Um, we finally had to let him go and he was very um, vindictive on the way out. What, what year is this This in the combat era? This was, that was, well, we, we did that record, came out in 87. And uh, it was, uh, what was it? the record came out, I want to say like March, or no, we finished recording in March. Mm -hmm. um, the record came out just before summer, like May or June. Mm -hmm. something like that. And we did a few shows in LA um, to, you know, to start it off and we had the, the video and everything and things were going. And then, then the tour thing just kept like, Oh, we can't do the motorhead tour because the record's not out yet. So we're not getting tour support. Mm -hmm. And then they got us uh, uh man of war, man of war pulled out of the tour because they, they couldn't do it. And then they offered us sabotage, but they didn't have enough dates confirmed for us to get tour support. And they yeah. just said, the booking agent's like, just come, go out on the tour, just come out and we'll, we'll, we'll get more dates. And our manager was like, I, I just, you guys can't do it. Hmm. Can't do it. There's not, there's not enough money. Although we had a publishing deal that was going to give us enough money to do that. And he basically stole it from us. Shit. Mm. So, you know, so we finally parted ways with him. Uh, and then there was some different stuff that happened with combat. Um, and they got us a tour. We did a, a you know, American tour with, with, uh, E-Trope from Chicago. Yep. We had fun. It was okay. It was a good, decent tour, but it was, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't motorhead. Was it, um, um there was lots, was, lots, go ahead. Was it Steve Sinclair at combat at the time? Uh, yeah, Steve yeah. Sinclair. 
Mm-hmm. He was one of the, he was one of the guys, I think he was the main guy that signed us. Um, and then he left uh, uh, and started his own label. And when we parted ways with combat, mm-hmm. we were going to sign with, with him, with mechanics. Mechanic. Yeah. And, then, and then something happened, something happened. Uh, and I think basically combat uh, went to him and basically told him to pull the deal for whatever, whatever their reasons were but it was out of spite. Um, Interesting. For some, you know, and so that kind of, it, it put us in a real bad situation. Um, and a lot, and that's when, I, you know, I ended up uh, leaving. I actually got fired from the band because everybody was going nuts and out of frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they asked me to come back. I came back and then we got a new manager and, and Warner Brothers was actually looking at signing the band. But they strung us along for a long time. Well, I gotta see if this band does well, and then maybe. And mm. then Road Roadrunner became Road Racer, and they Monty Connor was like, "Come on, guys, let's do a record. Come on, guys." I think he was the one who put the first offer on the table. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. I believe so. And the so irony there is back. that Warner eventually would buy out Roadrunner. Yeah, I know. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Um, but Monty was, you know, he was instrumental in, in, in getting it done. We, we, it was, had been three years and we were like, we got to get, we got to get a record out. You know, this is crazy, mm-hmm. you know? And um, so we did sign with Roadrunner or Road Racer now. Um, and it was a decent deal. Um, and uh, we pushed the limits, you know, on the budget because we were trying to make the best record we could. Sure. Um, and so we went a little over budget, which, you know, and Monty even came to visit and we, we were like, uh, you know, got, we got wanted to come of, to the studio. I've got a couple of bits. I've got a couple What's of bits. That? Well, I've got a couple of bits um, and we'll get to, get to this because I was speaking to Rob Deaton last week. Oh, shit. So I've got some context here. Um, but oh, when, okay. when I speak to, to artists who used to be on Roadrunner, I've got a model Roadrunner deal. Um, so I'm going to list some of the some of the the features of the deal, and you can you know confirm or deny or uh, correct where where you see fit. So a roadrunner deal of the time, especially when Monty started out, uh, six or seven albums around about that, with an option after the second. All intellectual property and publishing is retained by Roadrunner or Road Racer or whatever imprint it is. No written guaranteed tour support. So they'll probably give you tour support, but if you're on a shitty tour, they won't fund it. And then right. for your debut album, it should be around about 5K. Oh, no. Oh, no. I mean, I think, I think we got, I think the deal, we, we, our deal was, uh, uh, I think, for three records, Ooh. something like that. If I remember three or five and we got, I think we got 35, either 30 or 35,000. You are an anomaly. You're like, you're like royalty. It was 1990. Yeah. We got, we had, I think we got 30 for, from combat at that time. Wow. Um, but we, we pushed it to, we pushed it to around 40 with Roadrunner. We needed more money to finish. And we actually set money on a wild goose chase. When he came, he wanted to come visit the studio, see how things were going. Go you on. know, like, when are you guys going to be done? And we're like, oh, and we gave him the wrong address. <laughs> we, he was so pissed. 
<laughs> he was so pissed. But I like, you know, he finally he finally made it. He finally made it, and he heard what was going on, and he was like, "Holy shit, guys, this record is crushing." And so they, he was okay with it. It was only five grand over, mm. you know. Mm. And we had, and where where it kind of went to that degree was, um, we sent it down for mastering, and the master the mastering wasn't that good. Right. Okay. And so we we had to go. We had to spend money, to, and Lee went down to L.A. and was there. Who did the master to make sure that the mastering? Uh, it was through Capitol Records. Right. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was somebody, somebody who was really good, but you know, it's it's kind of nice to have the ears of the band there mm-hmm. to make sure that the mastering goes down the way you want it to go down. You know. Yeah. This and is that's a, what's so nice now. Yeah. 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 This is one of the things I find with Roderick is that, oh, that the mastering. For, there's a few things that tend to trip up on around about this time. One is the cover of the, of whatever album. There tends to be either a disagreement or some sort of thing that happens, which stops the band getting the idea they wanted. There's the mastering process, which the runner won't fund to fly all the band out. It'll typically just be one person or no one. Um, yeah. And then there's some other stuff. This isn't a bring out your dead on road night. I know it was just like a product of its time. I know they're all great people. Well, I, can, I, I got I got some I got some negative stuff too, you know. But <laughs> but I mean, initially, initially, initially they were great, and um, you know the the album cover they had no problem. They loved it. Um, the mastering part of it, yeah, okay, you know. And they, I mean, Monty, you know, he'll tell you, you know, he he still believes that it's a, you know a great record and all that you know hmm. um and then we got you know then debbie abono took over managing us uh and got us on the sepultura tour it yeah. was supposed to be sepultura uh metal church and heathen mm-hmm. and then metal church was offered the op- operation uh rock and roll tour in the states with uh judas priest and motorhead oh, wow. and alice cooper so they took it but it was right after the gulf war mm. the first gulf war and they were kind of were in a recession. And so those, that big tour didn't do well right. uh, everywhere. It, it had some good, it had some good spots, but it just, it just really didn't do what they thought it was going to do. And they had, I think they had nine or 10 bands on the tour. Mm. It was like mm. a festival tour. But um, the only tour that really did well in the States that year was when Metallica took out Guns N' Roses. Yeah. You know, those two. And they, they sucked up all the gravy, you know, and it's yeah. kind of fucked up, really, because, you know, all these bands that were up and coming or Motorhead, you know, bands like that, that really needed a strong Sorry, tour. I couldn't hear what you said. Well, my Siri just mm-hmm. commented on my, on my. Calm coach. down, Siri. Um, you were signed to Roadrunner. Exactly. Calm down. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, yeah, but so we went to Europe and did that tour. Um, and it was a killer tour. Um, one at that. And I don't know what happened, but once we got back from tour, um, we ended up getting dropped by the label. It's quick as that. So I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was because of just the numbers weren't there. I don't know. They never gave us an explanation. (laughs) I mean, I don't know, but, uh, but in, and as far as like what your, your initial question, like with the publishing and all that, they didn't get all the publishing, but they did get a piece. And that piece was enough to be controlling mm-hmm. where they got the it went to them and when they, it was time to pay up they just said oh sue us for the money and so we never got it they never paid us 
and it was money that we were supposed to get. It was, and even in the contract, it said, you know, we, we, you know, we were supposed to get paid no matter what, but mm. that, you know, are part of it. But they just said, oh, no, you didn't recoup, so we're keeping that, you know. Takis Kinnis from Realm um, was one of the first people I spoke to, and he said his management was insistent, make sure you fucking audit the, the label every year to make sure that you don't get screwed by that kind of stuff. Well, obviously, right. it was a different time. But see, but see, now they have, I'm going to turn the lights on in the back. They, they have um, SoundScan now. Yeah. So SoundScan in, in the States, it, it goes one, two, three. You know what I mean? It's back in the day, like with combat, we don't know. We don't know the true numbers. You get facts, maybe. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So did you, did you have any relationships with anyone at Roadrunner at the time? So obviously in, when you just signed, there was Monty there. Did you ever meet Case or anyone like that? Um, we've had a, a few different people. I, you know, it's, it's the person that I, that I most remember and, and was friendly with and would talk to, you know, like on a weekly basis was Monty, you know. And Monty's actually, I, I think he's still with, uh, he's now with, uh, has a division and works for Nuclear Blast now. So yeah. he's still, you know, he's still got this iron in the fire, but he was always, you know, he was always in our corner, you know, and, it's, it's um, and I, you know, I think this, that. this chapter of the story is very much the Monty Connor story. Cause he really, I think when he joined, um, Roadrunner, it seemed like he's saying to case case, this is the house that you built. Now we're going to fill it with fucking experts of the scene. And we want knowing what's going on in the scene right now. We want to create like an in-house thrash metal factory. And I think that's what he was going for. So all that, the, the chapter of Roadrunner's history, all by the prog metal and your ex-hoarders and your artilleries and things like that. I think it's all kind of his agenda. Um, he's trying to make the metal happen and he's the expert. And I think that's why people really sort of relate to him and resonate with him and still have a good relationship with him because he's just the fucking metal guy. He's a, he's a professional metalhead. He's not a business dude. Right. Right. Mm. Yeah. I mean, and this, and that's the thing, like even in just in the, in the music business as a whole is that you, you know, you get into corporate people that don't necessarily know what they're talking about. They don't mm. know, they don't understand music. And, and it's always like, uh, well, you know, even, even with the Bay area scene, like once Metallica blew up, then all the labels are coming to the Bay area. We need another band like that. And yeah. then when the Seattle scene hit, you know, it's like, oh, well, Seattle's the new thing. And, and who do you sound like? And it's like, uh, can you just listen to a band and, you know, you're in the Vibe. record industry. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, and understand yeah. What, what's there. It, it drove me crazy because, like, the band um, Counting Crows, mm -hmm. they're from basically from California, right? Kind mm -hmm. of from the Bay Area. They're, and they're all these musicians. They've been around. But that band, they they put you know songs together in the studio. They yeah. didn't even play live, and they they went out and got themselves a deal with Geffen, and they had no following. They had nothing, mm. and it's like what the fuck? You didn't even pay your dues, you know. To to and then Geffen, David Geffen, when they first came out with the record, did nothing. Nobody even knew what they were, who they were. Mm. He threw shows where it would cost five dollars to go to see them at a sh big show and people would check it out and they were you know they were a good band but he had to build he had to build the following or build the the vibe 
you know, after the fact. They didn't do the, they didn't do the work. This is an interesting question. It's a really interesting question. It kind of buys into what I'm trying to do with this Roadrunner story. And it's a question of how do you, how do you legitimize your position as a label? And we're talking about Roadrunner and we're talking about case handling. Potentially, we, we could call it an antiquated business model, but the metalheads were running the show. And then we talk about Geffen and in your example there, is there not validity in a, a label going, can we build a band? Can we, just, can we just make our own brand in-house? Why are we waiting for kids to pick up guitars and play in garages when we can just do it here in-house? Is that not viable? Right. I mean, I'm, I do feel you. Yeah, I, I much prefer the, 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 the rigmarole of, of paying your dues, but if it sells, I guess it, it, it makes it valid, I guess. I don't, well, I don't believe that. I don't believe yeah. it. I think that, I don't think it, not, not, not real, not, um, I don't believe that that's, uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah. well, well, because it's like, it's, it's kind of cheating. And it's like, if you, it's like Limp Biscuit, right? They were basically put together by, you know, the people from MTV and everything. It's, it's like, oh, we put these guys together and we get this guy, he's kind of charismatic and we'll, you know, and they kind of stole the, their sound from uh, suicidal tendencies. Mm. There's a lot of that, especially in the first record. Yeah. It's so like that kind of groove metal kind of thing. And I, I remember when I first heard it, I'm like, is this suicidal tendencies new stuff? And it's like, no, it's this new band Limp Biscuit. And mm -hmm. I'm like, oh shit. And it was, they just took an idea and they ran with it. Yeah, and, yeah. and with all the new artists, with the, with the top 40 stuff, there's a lot of that. Like the, the boy bands, you know, you had the Perlmans like putting, oh, let's get, we'll have auditions and we'll get, you know, we'll, we'll put together four or five, you know, cute boys or cute girls mm -hmm. that can sing and we'll write all their material and we'll keep all the fucking money and take all the publishing and all that. But we'll, they'll make some money. We'll put them on a salary and we'll use them up until they are not viable anymore. Is that not what we're here for as metalheads, though? The, the commercially viable product that, that pushes metal back to the fringes. We're there on the edges fighting back, trying to make metal, uh, give it a seat at the table through our own way of doing it, which is, as we say, paying your dues and actually um, you know, singing from the heart and doing, doing the thing and making music that actually resonates with people. That's the fight. And I think that's, that's why it's kind of... Good. I mean, I, I, we say words like the, uh, virtuous and, and valid, you know, the way they put bands together. But I'm like, fucking bring it on because you're never, ever going to beat Flight of Icarus by Iron Maiden. You can throw as many right. in a room as you want, but you'll never, ever recreate fucking Slaughter in the Viking. You'll never do it. It's, you know. Well, back in the day, it doesn't have to be just metal, just rock and roll in general. You know, you go yeah. back to even like the Eagles or, or, you know, bands back in the day, mm. you know, um, when they signed with Geffen, you know, the Eagles, uh, you know, I watched the whole documentary on, on the Eagles and, and uh, I think it was David Geffen was talking to their manager and their manager was like a super dedicated guy to mm. the band. And he is like, and they, they just had their first gold record, I believe and they're having a party and their manager like, isn't this great, man, this is great. The music business, this is awesome. And, and David Geffen said to him, yeah, it'd be great if it wasn't for the artist. <laughs> and I thought, motherfucker, you know, like it, there would be no business if it wasn't for the artist, you know, yeah. and you take, and, and it's the worst 
business model on the planet. It's not natural. They fuck the, the artist, you know? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't exist in the, in the way our sort of society is sort of built. It's services and consumers. You need transport, you need food, you need water. You don't need music. So it's interesting how the vending of music and as a culture is kind of propagated. And again, that's kind of why that's kind of why I want to answer those questions because like it's not meant it's not meant to be it's not natural. It's not commercially natural, but sometimes we still pay money for music. And there's no there's no value to it really. It's only valued at what you'll pay for it, not for what it's worth. And it's it's but at the same time, like you say, people have built fucking entire entire titans of industry off the back of that premise. It's not how it's not about what it's worth, it's about what people will pay for it. And again, that's the difference between the yeah. artist and the businessman. So, we've gone well, way off track. Look at, if you look at radio, I mean, back in the day when they played, you know, music on the radio and they're breaking bands back in the 50s and all that, you know, mm. uh, it was about the music. And, you know, of course, they, they have the little commercials. But now it's so controlled on Celestial Radio that they play, they've been playing like in, the, you know, in the, in the States for sure that I know. Um, with Clear Channel, they're playing the same rock and roll songs they've been playing for since 70s, 80s. Mm-hmm. It's 2020. Yep. And they barely play Metallica, you know, and even Metallica is classic rock now, you know, and they yeah. didn't get, they didn't really get their due, even in the Bay Area. They didn't really get their due when they were happening, when it would have been exciting and to really blow it up, mm. you know, and, mm. and, what was happening with the Bay Area metal scene and they're still playing journey and all that kind of stuff. And that's okay. But you know, let the, let the new blood come in there too. And, and recognize that there's a new movement of things happening. They, they still play the same stuff you put on the, the radio, classic music, it's classic rock. And it's like, Oh my God. It's more important these days to actually look for and push new music just because there's, the technical advances we've made make it so hard to find good stuff. So it's, I think we owe it to everyone and all our friends, family, and owe it to each other to actually push the good shit and let it let the oh, cream sure. rise to the top. Sure, and I mean, and what's, with all the stream, with all the streaming services that they have, you know, Spotify and Deezer and even YouTube and all that, those are great avenues to find stuff. But unfortunately, they do not treat the artists fairly either. We don't yeah. get paid much. And that's a crime. Metallica yeah. took a lot of heat when, you know, with the whole Napster thing. Yeah, but yeah. they were right. They were right because they knew that this shit was going to get out of hand. Mm-hmm. And it did. You know, and so I love that, you know, that our stuff's out there like that and people can get, get it. Um, but, it, you know, it'd be nice to be able to, you know, I mean, make some kind of living, you know, for the, the work that we put in because it's a lot of work, mm. you know, even just preparing to do a record. And, you know, and it's, it's we're, you know, the only way we make money is by selling T-shirts and getting on the road. And now with, you know, with this pandemic, we couldn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so uh, now we're already in the mode of, you know, we got the live record and we're already like talking about writing the new record while we're down, you know, mm. while, you know, so that we can wow. keep it going and also make nuclear boss happy so they don't have to wait another, you know, eight years eight or whatever. 
Hey, technically, you've been at Nuclear Blast longer than Monty by four months. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Actually, when he when he uh, when he, they hired him, I was like, oh shit, <laughs> is that going to be a good? Thing? Is that going to be a good thing for us? Especially while we're you know waiting around, it was, you know. But he's been very supportive, and he's posted some cool stuff. He did a he did a, a sort of a a mini es, uh, expose on on victims of deception mm. and talked about the band, you know how he was a part of you know making that happen, and I super appreciate that. Yeah, it's really cool. These little essays are really cool. So in fact, he's writing the history of Roadrunner Records through those little mini essays. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's great. I mean, that's, you know. Totally. totally. I well, mean, yeah. I, 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 I only have good things to say about Monty. Yeah, sure. man. Yeah, yeah. Did you tell him that um, Mark Senezak was out and Rob was in? How did he find out? <laughs> I, I don't remember. I don't remember how that went but i think we did i think we told him i think that um because mark uh was not available we, mm. we booked the studio for for the drum tracks at studio d yeah the record plant um and he was like oh i can't i can't do that and it's like well that's kind of important you know <laughs> to do the drums right and so i had worked with rob on another project with the band um uh with laughing dead yeah he had did our demo and he was great. And, and I, so I told the guys, I said, I know this, this engineer and he's, he's awesome. And so he came in and they, and he's awesome. He's like a brother and, and we got along with him really well. And after working with him for uh, I, maybe four or five days, we all, you know, huddled together and we're like, Hey, maybe we can ask him to do the record mm. and we'll co-produce. So we have more control, yeah, yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll do it together. And, you know, and maybe it'll save us a little money because Mark was, Mark Sinisak was asking for a lot of money and, you know, we didn't really know him. Um, so we just, Rob was like, yeah, I'm down. Yeah. You know? And so we called Mark up and said, Hey, yeah, we're good. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't remember if we had a conversation with Monty. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure we did let him know, but he probably would remember better than I do. I think when I spoke to Rob, he said, uh, you called Monty and Monty was like, who the fuck is this guy? We booked you. You oh. booked you the Exodus producer and you fucking come in with this kid. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he did, he did a record right after us. I think I, I want to say he did violence's record maybe or forbidden's Rob and, or, or Mark. No, Mark's Mark Sinisad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He did, he did a record, one of the local bands. And I can tell you that, victims crush i mean the production on that is just crushing yeah man. i mean I, rob said he, he might listen back um and he thinks he's gonna cringe because now he, he masters film trailers and things like that he's like the creme de la creme of um mastering engineers um but yeah. when i listen you're actually the third part of the rob beaton trilogy because he did x order he did defiance he did you guys um and the sound across all those the first Yes, you were the first ones. Then it was, then it was Defiance, then Exorder. I don't know. They were like a month apart. The release days. Either way, the the sound is like consistent, even though it's across different studios. Um, so he knows what he's fucking doing. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he's a genius. He's yeah. a genius. That kid. He he worked with a lot of great people in the Bay Area, mm. and I, I think he started off like sort of sweeping up at the studio, yeah. and paying yeah, attention. Yeah, yeah. And he he knew his he knew his shit for sure. 
So when yeah, they, sure. yeah. So what were they like outside of? Um, in fact, actually, you say Monty came down to the studio to see what was going on. Obviously, when he went over budget, but did they have any interest in the writing or production outside of the money? Was Monty like lads? No. You need more choruses. Oh, they'll let you just crack on. Uh, when he asked what we needed the money for. No, I mean, uh, yeah, but yeah, pretty much. I'm just wondering if he if he was thinking, all oh, right, this is a bit of a proggy record. It's quite busy on the guitars. We need more choruses or something like that. I'm wondering if you had like some sort of idea of what it should sound like. But it sounds like he just let you crack no. on. Yeah, he let us. He let us. He trusted us that that we do what we we're gonna do. Yeah, you know, yeah. he had heard the he had heard we did a demo, you know, prior, and so there was I think four or five songs that were gonna be on the record. Mm-hmm. You know, so he knew that we we had something. You know. Yeah. Cool. So cool. there was never any there was never any influence like that at all. It was kind of like, okay, you finally made it to the studio, <laughs> and then we played him a track, and he's like, holy shit, okay, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so of course they they okayed the money. Yeah. You sure. know, because we were done, and we were, in our minds, we were making a masterpiece, and yeah, yeah. Um, you know. It's like okay, you yeah. Know. I I don't remember anything anything derogatory or any kind of control. I think that it was definitely just hurry up. Yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> How were Roadrunner on the business side outside of the production? Um, you mentioned they obviously got you on a few tours. Did they promote the album? Um, they did a little bit. I mean, there was magazine ads, things like that. Yeah. But we and we just did the one tour. Um, I don't, I think they probably could have done better. Mm-hmm. I think combat di- did a better job. Um, and it, it really shows because we sold a lot more records. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't, we didn't do a video with road racer or yeah. Roadrunner or whatever. Um, which I think that didn't help, you know, cause we did the, the video for set me free with combat mm-hmm. and, you know, we were in, we had a lot of airplay with that song. I know I actually we talked about like the new record, you know, coming up and, you know, conceptually or whatever, you know, like what what direction. And I was like, well, you know, we've had three very serious records lately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the last three records were serious where the first record, you know, there's some, you know, a little bit of like Death by Hanging is kind of, you know, tongue in cheek, a little cheeky type song um, and fun. And, you know, it'd be nice to to kind of get back to something that's more, you know, uplifting and, but like have a little, little fun with it, you know what I mean? Not be so serious and it has to be so heavy and, and the content has to be, you know, dark. And it's like, you know, we are all, I mean, like Lee is one of the funniest guys I've I've ever met in Mm. my life. He's got a great wit and, you know, you get a few vodkas in him and oh my God, (laughs) you know, um, and so everybody's, you know, there's a lot of comedy with the band and I, you know, it'd be great to, to see that come out again. You know, I think live it shows because yeah. we have a lot of fun with each other on, on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but the subject matter and the songs are very serious. And I feel like I write really serious and, and I want to sort of like try to come at a different angle this next time. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, sure. Sure. I actually went onto Facebook and um, dug out that Monty, that Monty post you were, you were referring to. It is pretty cool. And uh, I bet Rob would like to see that because on, underneath there's about four to seven comments of people saying the production was shit hot, well done, and all that stuff. 
So. Oh, it's well, you know, what's funny is it's, uh, it's out of print. Oh, really? Yeah, it's out of print. Hold on a second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a better camera view. You got Jimi Hendrix in the background. Oh, nice. I'm sorry, you're in my kitchen. I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is a, just an audio interview or what it is, but. It anyway. goes on, it goes on everything. Um, I'll, I'll throw it on YouTube. I'll throw it on Spotify and um, okay. so everyone, everyone can see my kitchen. I'm actually blocking him, but. It's cool. We got the anyway. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, it's out of print, and um, and like we like you said, you know, uh, Warner Brothers had bought uh, Road Racer, mm -hmm. and actually, Sony had has bought, you know, amongst other labels, but they they own Con, you know, Combat as well, and I think maybe Relativity, I think. Yeah. So we've had to deal with Sony trying to get some of our royalties that they owe us, mm. and we we went through a lot of paperwork and all that and got all the original guys to sign off on all that stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and we did everything that they, you know, that we we're supposed to legally and they haven't said shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, it's like, well, can you pay us? And then with the road, uh, with the, with Warner brothers. So um, we're looking to, uh, to license the, the record in the States okay. next year. Well, as a reissue. But Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because it's out, like I said, it's out of print, and we'd like to do something special with it, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, with the album, you know, the album cover, do vinyl again, do but, but maybe do like a picture disc or something. Yeah, thirty uh, years. Um, yeah, exactly. That's yeah, the whole deal. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, man. Yeah, there's always um, who was I talking to? It was Gary Peppard from uh, from Jaguar. Um, and he said the um, those early Jaguar records, they tend to go around the houses every few years with reissues and stuff they can do with the vinyl now to make it real value for money is pretty incredible. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know, the, the Empire of the Blind, have you seen, I'm turning this, this is better. Um, the Empire of the Blind, we have, they, Nuclear Blast did, um, red and black swirl red and black splatter mm -hmm. they did orange it was like orange and red splatter and orange and red um swirl mm -hmm. and then they did a, a like a tr sort of a kind of opaque but almost a little bit transparent red yeah and then and then the classic black that's cool and it was all li limited edition we sold all that stuff yeah I and mean, it flew it flew that we didn't even get the the orange vinyl Mm -hmm. We didn't even get a copy of that because they, <laughs> they, they were supposed to hold it for us and they sold them all. And they're like, Oh, we're sorry. Uh. And they're, they're beautiful. They're yeah. so cool. I'm like, yeah. Someday I'm going to acquire one somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Collector's market. You know? Of course. But, but yeah. And so like with victims though, I would love to um, take the artwork, even the artwork and the, on the vinyl that was originally put out, the, the photograph of the artwork was a little, I thought was a little bleached out compared okay. to the actual original art, which I mm -hmm. own. Mm -hmm. um, and so we want to redo that mm -hmm. to give it, you know, the richness of the actual oil, because it's an oil painting. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then of course I'd like to do, I would really like to do a picture disc of that. I think it would be so cool. That'd be awesome. You know? Yeah. Hey man, I bet um, just bringing it back to mind, I bet he'd like to see that original as well. That's that's in his wheelhouse on the Facebook post, isn't it? It's always about the covers and the original photo shoots. Sure, the sure. 
Yeah. I mean, and it's, you know, I think, I mean, we're trying to, you know, involve the late, you know, nuclear blast with, with what we're trying to do. Yeah. So, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll see what's going on. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's so, it's such an uh, interesting dynamic to work with a label that just really understands what you're doing and, and have great ideas as well, yeah. you know, and just really support heavy metal. Yeah, Not just for us, but Death Angel, you know, all the bands. I mean, we're all, most of us, most of the, the bands that are on, you know, our friends are on Nuclear Blast, except for, you know, Metallica's not on, you know, Nuclear Blast, but. It's interesting, the, um, when Roadrunner, I'm not going to say folded, but when it lost its independent status, it's interesting how many people flocked to either Metal Blade, Nuclear Blast, SPV, or the ones that were kind of the ones that are now still going, but I haven't got a point of reference though. That's my problem when I'm, when I'm interfacing with like nuclear blast as an entity. Um, I just, I can't understand the scale of it. Cause I know it's obviously it's mocked up a lot of bands and it's doing a lot of work. It's a very busy and very big label, but I just can't conceptualize of it because I've been so tunnel visioned into Roadrunner for the past few months. Right. Crazy. It's crazy. Right. I'm going to, let's bring this into the, this, this train into the station. I'm going to fire off. Okay. Cause I was going to just say, you're going down a rabbit hole, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're going to do it again, man. Um, right. Okay. So, um, where were we? Okay. So when the, your relationship with Roadrunner ended after that one tour, after the album came out, um, which as you say, might have been something to do with, an internal strife at the label or potentially something like that. Um, but as you were saying, you're not quite sure why um, Ethan were dropped, but how did you receive the news? Was it Monty who made the call or was it, was it even case? Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't recall. I think they contacted our attorneys. Okay. Right. Okay. You it know? was done through the management. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Either manager or, or attorneys. And I don't know. I mean, we don't know. I mean, it could have just been numbers. You know, yeah, that they didn't, it didn't do what they thought it would do. But I don't, I, I, it was, you know, it was well received mm -hmm. coming out of the gate. So, um, so I don't know. I mean, who knows? Maybe they, because we didn't sign with them the first time and they Could were getting been, yeah. back at us. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, cause I thought we were having, I thought we were having, you know, we had a good relationship with the label and we, you know, we made a, what is now a classic metal album. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I would have loved to, to stick around and do a, another record with them. But, you know, I think that um, uh, the timing was still good for, for metal at that time. You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. um, grunge was starting to seep in, you know, right around that time too, yeah. in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And so, but there was still, Testament still kept going. There was an overkill. A lot of bands kept going. You know, and they probably had some hard times, but they still, they still managed to keep it going. So it would have been nice for us um, when when we took when that happened. Um, we had we made a guitar change. We had Ira Black in the band, mm -hmm. and we we went in the studio in about '93 to record a, an EP type thing mm -hmm. on our with our own money, um, which became recovered, which we finished when the band got back together. In, yeah, in the, we, I think we put it out in 2005. Right. And that was co cover songs. We did a Queen song. I don't, have you ever heard that? Or you know of I it? No, no, no. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, you can find it on, on uh, iTunes now. Um, but we put it out ourselves, you know, as best we could. We did digipacks and CDs and, 
it has uh we did death on two legs by queen okay cool. we did we did a sweet savage song we did eye of the storm and we did a tiger song we did um uh la 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 hellbound right. hellbound and we did and we did a thin lizzy song we did uh holy war and one original song called in memory of right okay I'm and just, I'm, um, bringing it, I'm just bringing it up now oh yeah yeah it's i mean and rob also uh engineered and produced that and that's really? a killer recording was it recorded at the time or was it a What's that? Complete, was it recorded was it recorded in the early 2000s or was it it was it was it was start was started in ninety three, and, oh, and right. okay. we had Sorry. some of it was finished. The there was was almost almost finished. The Queen mm-hmm. song, uh, the the ballad which was the original was not finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Holy War was not finished, but almost. You know, yeah, there was a lot there, and we ran out of money, and then and Lee actually had an opportunity to uh, join uh, Die Krups from Germany it was the yep. techno industrial band. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, and he did that. He toured with them and recorded with them for about five, six years. Yeah. Wow. You know? And so, busy. yeah. And so, uh, but also it caused Heathen to go, you know, to take a pause, Yeah. you know? And so, and then when he came back, he was so burnt out from touring. It, it took a while for us to like get, you know, get it together. And we were asked to do the thrash of the Titan show. Uh, I think in 2000, or 2001 mm-hmm. um no okay. something like that and um for chuck billy yeah 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 yeah. and that's and we were like oh okay and then but then we got invited to do Valk in the the next summer and so we thought that would be like a, a one-off <laughs> nice yeah but we so we went and did Valk and and then we saw the crowds and we saw the metal bands and we thought ah, oh, metal's back mm. so that's when we decided let's let's make a run and so we put our, our funds together um, and uh, we wanted to finish. We wanted to get a record deal, but we, we wanted to uh, let them, you know, let, let the labels know, like we've got stuff in the can that's almost done. We'd love mm-hmm. to finish it and, you know, and then do a new record. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was kind of like, well, we weren't getting any bites on that, you know, as far as like finishing that. So we decided we'd do it ourselves. Yeah. And so we got together, back together with Rob and went down to Costa Mesa, mm-hmm. down to him, and went in and finished what, you know, and then, uh, and then we just found a distributor in, from Canada that did, you know, tapes and stuff, um, and made it ourselves and put it out. Mm. Sometimes that's the best way, isn't it? Well, I mean, it was, well, it wasn't because it's hard to do. That's the thing about labels is the distribution is so much, you know, they know how to do it, you know, especially yeah. if it's a good label. Yeah. But we did that. And we did a, a tour in 2005, like a shoestring tour. We jumped on about, I don't know, 10 or 15 dates with uh, Nuclear Salt. Oh, cool. Uh, from, those guys are from Long Island. Or not yeah. Long Island, I'm sorry. Uh, from, uh, 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 don't want to get that wrong. <laughs> uh, 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 I'm, I'm coming in with the save. I'm sorry. Oh, you, okay, I'll do that because I'm like losing my head right now. Um, uh, where they not Long Island? God dang it! It just says New York, New York. Uh, let's see. Well, they're from New York, but it's uh, uh, it's where the Mets play that that side of town. Well, anyway, they're from New York. Well, I'm from Old York, so that, that was. That was but we, we well, we pl- we played be- played a show a show with them before, and so we you know we had made friends with those guys, and uh, they were out on the road, and so 
we tried to go out there and, and even the fans helped us out mm. in some of the places like in Scotland, we, we stayed with these kids. It's, they put us up in a flat for the night <laughs> after the show, you know, that kind of stuff. That was awesome. um, and, th- and then we did, um, and then we did the demo for the new record, the new stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, on that tour, we played two songs. We played dying season and arrows of agony right on cool. that tour. So they got some of the kids got to hear some of that new stuff. Mm-hmm. And then that's when the, you know, the label started to come and nuclear, Bo- nuclear blast actually came at us and mascot. Um, we looked at a couple of different labels yeah. uh, and that Same were thing. offering us deals that were ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So am I going down the rabbit hole again? Oh, it's a good rabbit hole. It's, it's interesting. Okay. You've you got yourself another, another, um, but, uh, a mirror of what happened before you've got nuclear blast and mascot where combat and roadrunner were. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, but yeah, and we ended up, uh, getting a, you know, a little bit better deal from mascot. Yeah. But even though we really wanted to sign with nuclear blast, mm. you know, um, but uh, so then, you know, we finally got in the studio and, and did that record and got it out in 2010. Yeah. Sometimes it took us a while. Time. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, all good things come to those who wait. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, when you reflect on your time with Roadrunner these days, I think I know the answer to this from talking to you, but um, do you have any regrets? Would you do anything differently? Or do you have any hard feelings? Um, well, I mean, I'm not real happy that they dropped us after mm. we, you know, tore it up in, in, your, in our first European tour. Um, I don't, you know, like I said, I don't, not sure why, why that happened. You know, a lot of speculation, but, yeah. um, but that's my only, you know, like hard feelings plus the fact that, you know, they owe us money. They owed us money that they yeah. never paid us. Yeah. You know, but it's, but that's part of the course with this, in this business. Yeah. Um, totally. They, they did get, they gave us an opportunity and they gave us a lot of money to make a record. And I'm thankful for that. And mm-hmm. that record, it will still, you know, stand the test of time so far. So good. I, you know, I had no idea how it would be received then. And I think it's more, rece- you know, it's better received now amongst the fans and even the young fans that have found thrash metal. Yes. And, um, and they look at that record and then the, the old school people are like, got to check this, you know, victims of deception is like their crown jewel for me. Uh, uh, evolution of chaos is, I feel is, is some of our best stuff, but we keep, I think we keep raising the bar every time mm. because now with the new record with empire of the blind, it's just like another level too, you know, it's, um, the evolution of chaos is more personal to me because I wrote, <laughs> I wrote a lot of that record. Yeah, and yeah. so there's a lot of, a lot of me in that record mm-hmm. um, where empire of the blind, I don't have as much. Um, it's not as personal for me, you yeah. know, I mean, it's personal because it's my, it's my band and, and I care about everybody and, and everybody, you know, um, has contributed in different ways all through the years. And it's mm-hmm. been an amazing ride for sure. So. Yeah. 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 I tell you what, man, just you've you've, made, you've almost made a mistake referring to the new album again because now I'm just getting distracted again. I was going to start talking about <laughs> Dead and Gone. It's just such a good song. It's so like it's the engineering aspect of it is just so fucking good because Dead and Gone, as far as the song goes in terms of the structure, it's quite a simple song. You can it's 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 simple but effective. There's not like a there's not like a lot of uh, showboating going on or anything like that. It's just a straightforward metal song. 
but I think you couldn't have written, you couldn't have delivered a song like that 30 years ago because the production standards wouldn't have really captured the balls, the walliness of it. Whereas oh, today oh, it's right. perfect. It's perfect yeah. for this, for the production value, for, for the production techniques. Sure. <laughs> I, I, like I said, I think it's our, be it's our best sounding record by far. It really Definitely. is. Definitely. You know, um, and, it, and it's interesting too, because, uh, you know, you get some of the old, the old school guys. They're like, cause we tuned, we tuned down on this record, mm -hmm. which we've always played in E440. And so mm -hmm. with this one, we tuned down to D and uh, it was a conscious thing. We wanted to do something different. Um, we've always tried to be different in every record. Yeah. And, um, and it was actually stemmed from when I, my, my little stint with laughing dead, mm -hmm. when I played with laughing dead, um, we tuned down to D and um, we had a, a three song demo and it's pretty killer. And Craig and always, you know, he, when I met him, he's like, I love that laughing dead demo. You know, you, you're, you, you're singing down in, the, in a lower key and it really suits your voice. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, I totally agree. I was like, I loved singing in that, in that realm of things, you know? Um, and so, but with heathen, it was kind of like, well, we've always done it this way. You know, um, but I was definitely down to do it in the D and it's just so heavy yeah, and yeah. it's a very, it's a comfortable, it's a comfortable place to sing, but, but actually the way Cragen wrote some of the stuff, mm -hmm. you know, like on Empire of the Blind, mm -hmm. the, those, some of those chorusy parts and stuff, man, it was a freaking, it was, a, you know, it took a lot, you yeah. know, I was like, this is fucking hard, dude. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And then I'm doing harmonies over that stuff. But, you know, once, like I said, once I got to the end of that second week, man, I was just like, you know, I, I felt like I could do anything. Yeah. So it all worked out. But, you know, working on the stuff, I'm like, shit, this is it's interesting. Maybe, maybe the Rob Beaton trilogy of Roadrunner bands is now making like a, a weird sort of like turnaround because X Harder came out with their, well, they're calling a comeback album. I don't like calling things comeback albums. Their newest album from last year, More right. in the Southern Sky, is also like, of a similar vein it's just fucking brutal and it's really well delivered and it's so like reassuring to me as a younger person so I'll look no offense to to the older generation and going all oh, right it's so good to know that when i'm 15 20 years down the line i've still got a good chance of completely smashing it out of the park and, and, and rocking a lot more because you know back in my day if you got hit for you put your dressing gown on and you sit down on a sunday and that's your lot but it's good to see the old lads kicking ass frankly. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, it's, it's for me though, it's awesome to, to witness it too, you know, mm. like for, for us and also our friends, mm. you know, I feel like, like I love the new Testament record. Yeah. You know, the death, death angels always been like one of my favorite bands, especially in like, if from the Bay area, mm -hmm. they're, and they're one of my, I'm pretty much my favorite live band Yeah. out of the scene, you know? Mm. Um, and I, I, I think I saw their first show at the mm -hmm. Mab. And like at the time, Andy, I think was 12, <laughs> you know, and there were these kids and we're like, oh, these fucking kids are kicking ass. It was like, whoa, <laughs> you know? Um, and now they're just a well-oiled well machine. And we, we did some date, uh, dates with them with Exodus mm -hmm. uh, back, you know, touring for the last record. And, um, and we were, we were the opener and they were support with, you know, an Exodus headline. And um, they would just bring it. They yeah. bring it. 
And then we're like, we'd be, like, we'd be on fire too, you know? And, and I remember playing the show, a show in Barcelona mm-hmm. um, and we have a lot of fans there. And um, I think it's Barcelona. Yeah. yeah Barcelona. Uh, anyway, we freaking just hammered that crowd was nuts and it was kind of like fucking top that yeah right you know because it was a little bit of like fucking you know and it's just them you know them bringing it out in us to to to, to take it you know to keep taking it up right Mm. and those motherfuckers came out and fucking they topped it (laughs) they did they did i mean in my at least for me it's like they came around like you almost like you could see it in their face like yeah that was great guys but we we're go. gonna take it to another level tonight too <laughs> yeah. we, we got another gear and that's like it was like yeah fuck you but in, a, in a great in a great way i'll never forget it because it's just like ah oh, bastards yeah, yeah. Right. so but but with the but with the sorry but with sorry. the new kids the new kids that are coming out now too um you know to see that energy yeah. for me as a as an older you know guy um it's nice to know that metal's in good hands. Yeah, totally. totally. You know I'm, I'm, I'm going to come around to that because I'm, I'm going to ask you to recommend me some, some new bands. But to close out the Roadrunner sort of diatribe, I like to, it, it's kind of fitting because I, I asked you if there's any hard feelings and obviously you said that there are some um, more sort of business-related ones. Um, but I like to always view, I always try and say at some point in an interview, you have to... You have to look at it through Hanlon's razor. Hanlon's razor being like, when something shit happens, it's not malice. It's usually some sort of incompetence or another incentive that someone behind the scenes is responding to. So Case and Monty aren't on some ivory tower saying, let's fuck over heathen. It's just something, it, it's just the way the business operates, like you said. Um, well, I don't know if, I don't know if that's, you know, I don't know if I, I could ever hear him doing that. I, I exactly. hope that's not ever the case. You never know. That's what I mean. Hamlin's razor. It's not. It's not that. It's. It's just something else that's happened. It's not malice. Oh. It's never malice. It's always something well, else. Well, don't say that because sometimes there is malice. You know. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. it can be very. This business can be very cutthroat. Mm. Uh, and in different avenues that you just you that you wouldn't know. And I over the time over the time that I've been involved in music and mm-hmm. and all that, I've seen the the best in people and I've seen the worst in people. Yeah. And so um, it, it's very competitive. And I think even early on, you know, there's a lot of, lot of people in the business that um, are more self-centered about what they're doing mm-hmm. as opposed to what's good for the, the gander, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Heathen is always, since day one, have always had the mentality that we want like a show. We want it to be a great show mm-hmm. for all the bands. Mm-hmm. You know, we never played those games with, Oh, no sound check. Oh, you, you know, you don't get the drum riser. Oh, <laughs> you know, you get half the PA tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, you know, well, actually we need you to go on at two uh, thirty in the morning because you know, Elvis is hungry. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's, we've never, we've always tried to make sure that, the bands that play with us have a great time and that mm. we have a great time with them. So that's always an event that, you know, people go away and go, all the fucking bands were amazing, mm. you know, and that's, that's the standard we try to set. Now we've been victim to the, the other side of that and it's not 
cool, but yeah. you roll with it. You just have to roll with it because that's the game mm-hmm. sometimes with people. And it's, it's a, I think it's a, a kind of a short-sighted. Yeah. I was going to say a shitty game, but yeah. Yeah. It's it shitty, but it's short-sighted because you have, I mean, you know, I mean, I think nowadays, now that we're all, you know, a lot of this, the bands, even from the Bay area, mm-hmm. we're all very competitive with each other and, and some, some of us are better friends than, you know, than others, Yeah, you know, but as we've gotten older, whenever one of our brothers is in trouble, you know, and needs us to pull together to do something to, to help, you know, mm-hmm. everybody has always answered the call. Yeah, mom. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I stand by all my, all my brothers and sisters from the Bay area scene and all of it. And, and across the globe, I mean, the destruction guys have always been good to us. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been good friends over the years and I consider them family for sure. Nuclear salt as well. You know? Uh-huh. All right, man. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to hit you with two completely non-contextual questions. And I hope you're all right with that. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. Number one, have you ever seen a ghost? Uh, I've never seen, well, I only in a photograph. Tell me everything. Oh God. It's a good one. <laughs> it's a really good one. And I could even, I can even show you. Oh my fucking God. Are we going to deploy some screen share onto this? this, this I can, I can show you. Go for it. I can show you. Um, I have to get, uh, let me tell you the story first. And then... Go for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm so hey, excited. Chris. Chris. I need you real quick. <laughs> I need that photograph of the foot. <laughs> okay, find me that foot. So we were in Hawaii on the big island. Um, I think it was, it's been about three or four years now since that particular trip. Okay. And we went and had lunch at this place called the uh, Lava Lava. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is on the, um, we're in the big island. We're in, um, oh God, what's the name of the place? Anyway, we're going to Lava Lava. We go to lunch. We're out sitting at a table, beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful afternoon, really nice place, mm-hmm. you know, a great bar. And um, at some point where, you know, my wife, had her phone out there was a there was a cat right a kitten or a cat whatever mm-hmm. um and it came up to the t- table yeah so it was kind of under the table thank you for food and, yeah. no and you need to bring it to me <laughs> i'm so excited about just that. with your phone he's not gonna be able to see that <laughs> uh, well anyway <laughs> just give me your phone because i'll show him real quick let me see it was 2017. Thanks, Chris. Okay. 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 Can you see? Can you see that? Are you fucking joking? No. That is a foot in it's a picture a with a cat. What the fuck? But can you see it? Look. Wait a second. It's on the top left, right? That's what. That's oh, why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. 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 Okay. Well, wait. Holy look up close. Shit. You can see through it. I can't quite make that out. Oh, uh, okay. It's a well, little bit opaque. You saw it. Yeah, man. Yeah, well, oh. it's opaque, all right. <laughs> oh. Um, it, uh... <laughs> oh, my God. Um, anyway, it's kind of, it's a little transparent. Yeah. 
Oh my fucking God. So yeah, she was, was he the kidney in the picture? Yeah. In the, okay. There's a kitten. Yeah. Can you see it? Okay. Well, the cat seems to be looking at the foot, but Christine was trying to take a picture. So she put her hand down trying to get the cat's attention and she took a picture with her phone and she, you know, and then she goes, then she gets, she looks at the picture and she goes, what the fuck? And she showed it to me. She's like, there was nobody there. Yeah. Okay. So there no was nobody there. Or anything like no. that. No. And it's under the table. Oh my. What? I'm freaked out now. But you win, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you win. Kyle, no, Kyle, but, Kyle from um, Exodus said he saw, he, he told a full ghost story. Gary Pepper saw a ghost dog. Metal Mike says something weird happens every time he works with Merciful Fate. You win. Oh, really? I win. <laughs> I have proof. <laughs> But we, we, it was funny because uh, our friends came on the trip a couple days later and yeah. um, it was our, our friend and her son. And we went, yeah. we took a, a, a van ride up to the volcano. You mm-hmm. know, it was like a, a, um, a guided tour. Yeah, yeah. And it, we stopped at a couple different places and, and then we went up to see the volcano, which erupted a couple years later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, on the way back, it was late and it was dark and we're coming down all the way from the other side of the mountain. It takes like a few hours to come back. Yeah. And the driver was super cool. And as we're coming down, he starts telling ghost stories. Oh no. Right. And he's telling, and he told a couple of good ones. And, um, and then we're, we start dropping people off, mm-hmm. you know, as we're going. Mm-hmm. And then it's just us and the driver. We're the last stop. Uh-huh. And we go and we go, oh, you know, that's pretty cool. And we go, hey, you want to see a ghost? <laughs> and he's like, what? We told him the story and we showed him yeah. the photo. And he's like, he was like, oh, shit. Get the fuck out. <laughs> he was like, he was like, well, he was just like, oh, because he's just telling stories. Probably yeah, he probably yeah. heard from somebody mm. just to, for the trip. But yeah. we went, check this out. And we gave him a, we did a screenshot for him. Oh, I would. So now, now he's got another story. That's insane. But it was the weirdest fucking thing, dude. It was like, and we told the staff yeah. that at the restaurant and they were like, a few of them were like, oh shit, you know? And then like one person said that they've heard that people have seen, shit. you know, stuff around, around <laughs> yeah. the, the restaurant. Oh you my know? word. That's insane. But yeah. But I've never, I've never you know never seen a ghost i i in my house in oakland it's an old house mm-hmm. and it has a basement and the house mm-hmm. is over 100 years old mm-hmm. and um the basement is a full it's you know full basement it's not finished but it's dirt floor and all that yeah. i had a wood shop down there and everything but early on like i'd go down there man and i'd kind of get the ebgbs coming out of there if i turn off the lights and you yeah. know a little I, early one thing that stuck with me right i went, I went to i went on holiday this is when i was a kid I went on holiday to, I think it might have been Cyprus or something like that. And my mum's colleague was there. So she, we all had like, like a big family meal with this, the colleague. And uh, they lived out there. And then when the, the, the guy said, I can't remember his name, but he just went, when we moved in, it was really weird because I went into the bedroom and there was a woman in there like spraying incense and stuff like that. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing in it? And then the, the real estate lady comes around and goes, oh, that's, that's, that's Flora. She's just like exercising the room. I just cleansing it of spirits. All right, fine, whatever. And he said that was the best night's sleep he's had in his entire life. 
Wow. When someone just cleaned uh, out the house and well, that's what I was getting at. Um, when we first moved in, I took we we smudged some sage and went around the house. Yeah. And I said a prayer and I was like, if you're a good spirit, you can stay. If you're a bad spirit, get the fuck out. We open the windows. And um, but anyway, but still I go to that basement, right? As we live there. And just be kind of like, uh, I didn't mm-hmm. like, you know, if I, once I, it was fine with the lights on, but I turned them off and I just got, I would get like a fucking uneasy feeling mm. every time. Mm. And um, I was doing a little painting job for this lady, a friend yeah. of mine, you know, it's like, Hey, you need to make some, you know, cause I'm a good painter. Mm-hmm. So I, anyway, so I'm painting this lady's front room and we were talking and talking about the house. And I told her that. I was, you know, somehow, cause I was just saying it was an old house and she's mm-hmm. like, Oh, she was just kind of asking questions. And I said, Oh yeah. I said, but you know, it's kind of, mm. I told her just what I, just like I told you. Yeah. And she's oh, okay. And then nothing, you know, and then she went upstairs and I'm painting and she came down and she goes, um, so you, you had two ladies living in your basement. One of them, one of them died there in the house. And she's there and she's, you know, and there's, and she's not that happy. And then the other person is in there that somehow got, you know, got in and not happy. Yeah. You know, like, and um, I was like, well, what the, what do I do? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and she goes, she goes, Oh, they're gone. I said, what do you mean? She goes, Oh, that's what I do. I, I cleared your house. I was like, what the fuck? I'm like, it was just out of the blue. I'm like, okay, I guess I don't have to charge you for the painting job. You know, she goes, yeah, I, 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 I'm like a medium like that. And she didn't ask me for money or nothing. Like she just did it for me. And I swear, dude, after that, I was like, yeah, it's kind of, you know, but I still, every every once in a while, I'm like, did you come back? You know, Mm, like, or mm. another one come in, you know, but yeah, I never saw anything. One one time I had a dream. Um, I was sleep. I have a piano at the house. Right. And I woke up in the, but I was dreaming. Um, I woke up to someone playing like a motherfucker on the piano. Yeah. Right. And I got up and the piano wasn't in the dining room anymore. It was in the, I could hear it coming from the front room. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? Who's playing the, you know? And I came in there in the, and this is in the dream. I came in the fucking pianos, like sitting by the fireplace on the other side of the room. And, and it was, they stopped. It was, they're yeah. gone. But it was like, and then I woke up and I was like laying in bed. I'm like, holy shit, what was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that was, but that was like freaky. Like I remember in the dream thinking, there's a fucking somebody playing my piano in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And it was like, oh, fuck. Anyway. Dude, why? I've never seen a ghost. Reels off three fucking ghost stories. You're crazy, uh, man. <laughs> well, you know, it's, but I had people at my house that had one, our friend Stephanie was sleeping. She stayed the night and she slept in my, in my office. Mm-hmm. And she said she woke up to someone standing by the bed with a top hat on. And she could, she was frozen. She couldn't. Are you, are you bullshit, and she goes, you know? she, no, she's you, like, you, I, and she goes, I said, are you, you sure you weren't dreaming? And she's like, I was wide awake and there was somebody standing at the edge of the bed. Fuck. I was like, who? But I never, I never felt anything in the house. Oh my. But I mean, you know, 
they didn't hurt. They never broke anything. Yeah. Do you believe in yeah. that stuff? Uh, I believe it's completely possible. And since I saw that foot, I'm pretty, pretty certain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's things but, that we don't understand. And then I think it's, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that, you know, I, I don't know. I think if I, if I saw something, I think I'd freaking come out of my skin. If it came at me like in an evil way. Yeah, I'd probably yeah. have a heart attack, and that'd be it. I'd be, I'd be a ghost next, because I'd be like, "What?" So they leave the, me alone. They're like, "He's got a bad heart." <laughs> this is the, this is like, that's the question in the interview, which is like, that's the hail mary, because it could either be, "No, shut up, Jim, you're no job," or it could be like what you just described there, and you've over delivered to that question so much that I'm now a little bit on edge. <laughs> well, well, think of it this way. Think of it this way, really, in a positive way, right? If you know that that this is not it, that the, this is not all there is, yeah. it's kind of cool it to is. know that you kind of go to a different plane. Mm -hmm. You know, I just I just hope that you know, I, I try to be a, uh, the best person I possibly can, so that wherever I move to, you know, in the next life, it's it's pleasant. <laughs> yeah, hey man, I've got this. Um, it just reminded me. Have you heard of Liam Lynch? He did a song called United States of whatever back in the early 2000s. Uh, I remember the, before. I remember the song. Yeah. Right. So there's a, I'll send you the clip of this podcast, but he has an amazing ghost story of when he was at university in Liverpool in the UK. Uh, it's, a, it's about a 20 minute investment, but it's really fucking good. I'll send it your way. Okay. Well, if you can't already tell, I, I love a good story. I love it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that shit, man. Right, moving swiftly on. As you mentioned earlier, there's obviously a new wave of musicians which are, you know, delightful and reassuring that the thrash metal scene and metal scene in general is in good hands. Um, who are you excited about? It doesn't have to be a young band. It doesn't have to be a, a, a massive band. Is there a band, like a local band, which you think needs a signal boost, which everyone should be tuning into? Well, I think that, I mean, there's... A few bands like this, uh, friends of ours, uh, Potential Threat, um, they've been around for a long time. I've yeah. known those guys since I started, you know, basically. Um, and they're, you know, they're one of those bands that were really good that, you know, didn't get a shot early on, mm -hmm. but have always been good and consistent. And their new record is killer. Um, there's the Elusive Furs. The Elusive. They're from the Bay Area, too. And they're not metal, but... Uh, it's just a great band, you know, and great. It's a great spirit um, yeah. behind their music. Um, and then like uh, our last, our last tour, we took out a German heavy metal band called Dust Bolt. And uh, they have a new record out as well. They've, I think they've actually had a couple records out since we toured, since they toured with us. Right. Um, and they're young, young guys. And, you know, but now they're full fledged. I mean, these guys have been around long enough now mm -hmm. where they're definitely a force to be reckoned with and they're still young. Mm -hmm. So, and they do it the right way. They do yeah. it the right way. They understand the thrash metal. Um, you know, they have good songs um, and they, you know, it's not, it's not just um, the cookie monster type of metal as well, <laughs> you know, which I mean, I, I appreciate all of it. You know, sure. everybody's got their different thing, but um, I like, I like what they do. <laughs> I think they, they, they hopefully will keep at it for a long time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, I, I'm kind of always at a loss, like what band? Oh, I can't, you know? Um, 
but I, I just think there's a lot of different bands that are, that have been coming out um, that I've been listening to even just on Spotify mm-hmm. on the playlist. Like there's a playlist that, you know, thrashers or something like that. Of course I'm putting it on cause I want to hear empire of the blind and, and I yeah. want Spotify to know that I just listened to that song. You know what I mean? Check. <laughs> but I'll listen. I'll be, I'll take a run or I'll take a walk with my dog and I'll listen to the playlist and it's all these different bands, some that I know, some that I don't. And then I'm like clicking on who's this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, like I said, I, I think the future of metal is, is quite bright right now. Yeah, man. Rock and roll. I've got, I've got two for you. Um, are you into black metal? Are you into like black and roll? Yeah, sure. I like, I mean, all of it, it's, it just depends. I'm just not a, yeah. I'm not a connoisseur of it because I, mm. I generally, you know, really concentrate on what I'm doing so much yeah. that it's, you know, that the time invested, it's like, Oh yeah, I, I listen and stuff. And like, I try to do as much homework cause I, I want to be up on what's happening with, I, you know, but I'm always working on stuff that's going to be for the next heathen record or mm. something I'm going to do on my own or whatever. So I, you know, get a little self-involved when it comes to music. So <laughs> understandably it is your job, but I like, but I like it, you know, especially like, you know, uh, seeing the, the, some of the shows of the different bands like that, you know, yeah, yeah. um, when we did 70,000 tons of metal, there was a band. I don't even remember who, what the name of the band was. And they were like a, a black metal type band. Um, and I think they were, I think they were a UK band. Um, everything the the show was so freaking technically killer, but dark. Mm-hmm. And they had, you know, the face paint and all this and cradle of filth. Uh, I don't know. Okay, don't cool. Remember. But um, but those guys were like they had karaoke uh, night the last night of the cruise, <laughs> and a couple of the guys from that band, you, you know, not with no makeup and all that, you know, sang karaoke naked. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so it's like. All of that, I mean, you know, I love the, the sense of humor behind all of it. And, you know, yeah. they yeah, take yeah, the definitely. music seriously, but, you know, we're all. Well, I'll, um, we're all under one roof cradle, But you, were you going to, were you going to, I like Cradle of Filth, though. I was going to recommend someone else, but I thought it might be oh, Cradle of oh, Filth that you've seen. Yeah, I don't remember what the name of the band was. So this, there was a band, there was a band from uh, Columbia mm-hmm. that played on that ship. And I, I was the first night, well, first morning. It was four o'clock in the morning. We were watching the show. I remember, I, I don't remember even who was with me, mm-hmm. but I remember asking them, what time is it anyway? They're like, it's four in the morning. And this band was in the theater killing it. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the name of the band. I, I was like, who's this band? And then, of course, now I don't remember. But they were amazing. And it was That's... like, they didn't, I don't even think the guy, he wasn't singing in English. Yeah, it was yeah. just ridiculously badass. It was so fucking loud too. Anyway, well, my recommendation for you would have just been um, I've got two bands for you. One's called Hell Ripper, which is weirdly Hell Ripper. Hell Ripper one word. Um, it's a one-man Scottish black and roll project. It's so weird because Hell Ripper is such an obvious name. You'd think it had been taken by now, but hell, it's really good. It sounds like you know, like imagine if Millie Metallica, um, but they didn't like Iron Maiden. They liked Venom more. That's kind of what it sounds like. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, the next one is local lads for me called Dream Troll. Dream uh, Troll. I think I. I think I've heard that name before. Yeah, they're like they're like a new wave of British heavy metal style band. That's what they they kind of fashion themselves as. 
but really they're a lot more proggy than that. Let me, let me write it down because otherwise I'll forget. Yeah, it's cool. I'm, I'm so terrible with that kind of stuff. <laughs> My wife, she remembers everything. I'm like, uh, what was that again? <laughs> so you said dream troll? Dream troll, that's right. And the other one was, um, what was the other one? Hell Ripper. Hell, how could I forget that? <laughs> but I would be like trying to think of those bands and go, what was it? Stripper yeah. what? <laughs> Hell Ripper. Okay, yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, man, I'll check out. Potential yeah, I mean, there's been bands, like, like I said, on, this, on the playlist on Spotify or Deezer or whatever, the different streaming services, they have, you know, a lot of stuff. Plus, where I'm living now, my car has uh, Sirius XM satellite mm -hmm. radio. Yeah. And there's like four different metal stations. And I'm always bouncing around because, you know, I want to hear my song on the freaking thing, <laughs> which I have not, I have not heard anything from Heathen yet. Yeah. I'm not on Ozzy's channel, not on liquid metal, but I have heard that they played it. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know, but I, but I'm hearing all these bands I'm like, oh, who the fuck is this? Yeah. And why are they not, and why are they not playing heathen? <laughs> the bastards. Yeah. Right, dude. I'm 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 done with questions. Um who is it who's managing your Facebook, by the way? The band's um, I think we all are. Uh Cragen. Cragen mostly, but um we all try you know, I chime in there as much as I can. Uh, that's fine. Just because I'm he, how I arranged this with um well, I did it on the Facebook chat, but I don't know who's managing it. And I was just messaging them saying I'm having some connection issues. And then they've come back saying, I've got it resolved. I've just said, you just scared the shit out of me with this ghost foot. So hopefully, <laughs> I'm just wondering who it was. So they, they, unless they don't have context as to what that is. <laughs> oh, no, no, that was Craig and that was Craig and like that contacted you earlier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was Craig and he, oh, that was he is, he not only wrote this album, but he's also our manager. Yeah, okay. okay. We, we fired Ruben, our old manager, Ruben Kincaid. Yeah. He, he got too old, so we had to get some new blood. You got to put him in retirement. Yeah. <laughs> right, man, that was absolutely incredible. But, dude, I'll let you know when it's up. Thanks very much. I've taken a way too much of your time, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the evening, which I've not taken. Well, I, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in basic, you know, basic shelter-in-place COVID style. Uh, I, all I got is time right there. So yeah. I appreciate the conversation, and I always like to talk about the good old days and talk about music and heavy metal and and all that so i appreciate your time too yeah thanks man drop uh rob an email he'd love to hear from you I'm sure okay cool yeah it's been a little while yeah man all right, all right. Cheers.